Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. So, let's stand hold our Bibles up high. You're a little slow today. Come on. Is it a fair hangover? You had too many turkey legs, $20 turkey. Anyway, it's over. It's done. They're gone. I'll need therapy for about a month. Okay. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, I began this series uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about look and see. Uh, A lot of the world has their eyes closed. A lot of Christians have their eyes closed, and that's not a judgment. It's just an evaluation of where we are in the world today, and uh, so the idea was to really open our eyes to look and see what God has for us. Uh, the first week I talked about there's a place at the table for you. Uh, you have to look and see that everything you've done in the past doesn't determine your future. If anything, it's a lesson about how to live in your future and not do the things in the past. And, and last week I, I talked about creating an open heaven. Look up. Look and see what God has for you. And uh, this week I'm talking about look beyond where you are today. Sometimes we get so nearsighted uh, that we lose sight of the things that God has for us. And as I was praying through this week and thinking about things, uh, there, there are typically three phases in, in our journey. One is survival. When you're born, you, you learn how to survive. You know, there's survival in every family, uh, and you learn how to survive uh, coloring on the walls as a kid. And getting spanked. Oh, not anymore. You get a participation trophy. Uh, so, anyway, it's, you know, we survive, we revive, and then we thrive. Most people never get to the thrive mode. Some people have revival moments in their life in overcoming things of the past, and they revive for a moment, and then they go back to surviving. You got to get over the hump of reviving to the place of thriving in your life. And that comes with how you value yourself. Uh, You've heard me teach many times, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love you, you can't love your neighbor. And so uh, the world sees it as, well, if you love yourself, that's self-centered. You're a narcissist. No, that's the Bible. Uh, You have to love who God made you. You may not like the way you behave, but you can always like the person you are. You can love you in spite of yourself, love you. So today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about getting from good to best. Um, A lot of times, we say, well, you know, things are good. You hear people say, well, you know, how are you? Things are good. And really what they're saying is, I'm I'm just okay. It's just okay. But Jesus didn't come to just make it okay. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, not just come that you might be okay. When I think about not living life to the full, 
it almost embarrasses me and I get ashamed of thinking Jesus paid this ultimate price for me to have an ultimate life. And if I have anything less than an ultimate life, it's a mockery of the cross because he paid for it. If I paid for something to you, I said, man, I want you to go and pick out, you know, I want you to have this car or whatever. And you, you don't even go get it. What you're saying is, I, I just don't respect you enough to grab what, what you offered me. God's given us so many more gifts that are so far better than anything we could ever have on earth, and yet we don't access those gifts. We don't access His best. We live good life. And, and you say, well, is there more? Yeah, there is more. And when you talk about this in religious circles, people think that you're unappreciative. You're not grateful. I'm very grateful for all God has done. I'm very grateful for everything he is, all he's done for me. But I also know that he has more for me. He has more for you. He has more for us. And that we need to be ever aware of that. And that when you press into God, it's not showing that you're not appreciative. When you say, God, I'm believing for more, that's not saying I'm not thankful for what I have. It's just saying I know that there's more to you and more for me from you, and I want to press into that. And so if you would, turn in your Bibles, if you have them. If not, they may put this on the screen. Uh, This was a last-minute edition this morning as I was preparing. In Mark chapter 8, the greatest book in the Bible, Verse 22, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. What were they doing? They were pulling on Jesus for the best. They didn't say, Jesus, could you get this man a new uh, cane, a stick that he can walk in? Could you just kind of maybe help him navigate? Could you get him a, 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 anything you can do just to kind of help him with his blindness? They said, no, we want him healed. They were saying, it's not good enough that you're here. It's not good enough that you could probably help him out somehow. They're saying, we want him healed. They pulled on Jesus. They, did, they, they weren't bashful. They weren't ashamed. They pulled on him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, I have suspicions as to why he took the man out of the village. This is very important. Sometimes you're surrounded by people who are naysayers, doubters, and critics. And if you say that God can do anything and nothing's impossible with God, they look at you like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe not. You're one of those Jesus freaks that believes in extreme things. Yeah, I am one of those. I believe in extreme things. I, I told you all, I'm going to give it a little testimony ahead of time. But, you know, I, I had uh, an x-ray done on my wrist, and they said it's bone on bone. There's no way to fix it. And I told you, I said, you know, I, I'm just believing God to heal it. I'm just, I, and there are times it's been in great pain. But i got to tell you, it's happening right before my eyes. And, and you say, well, that's extreme, and God doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah, God does. And I'm kind of putting him on the line today because it's not complete yet. It's kind of like with the story I'm reading right now. It's not quite, so I'm not going to go, well, this is so much. This is better. This is good. It's okay, God. It doesn't hurt like it used to. Oh, no. I am, baby, coming at you right now. Live and in full color. All right. So it goes on to say, he took him out of the village Then, this is really another thing that I'll never understand. Jesus may enlighten us at some point. Spitting on the man's eyes. Come on, man. I don't know that, you know, if Jesus said, now I'm going to spit. And he's like, oh, my goodness. A loogie miracle. (laughs) 
he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? Now, here's the problem. When this guy answers, you're going to see what I'm talking about. Can you see anything now? And we so desperately want to give Jesus a break. Like, oh, it's okay. I'm better than I was. I'm a little better, so that's good. Better is good. No, better is what comes between good and best. Yeah, things are better, but they're not the best. And, and that's what we have to start thinking and moving toward. And it goes on to say, the man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. Now, if you're a religious person, you go, look, just be thankful now you can see like trees moving. Just be grateful for that. That's enough. Don't press Jesus. Don't be unthankful or ungrateful for what, where it's at right now because it's better than it was. But he goes on to say, Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Everything clearly. Why? Because the man said, I'm not okay. I know if you can make me see like trees walking, I think you can probably take this all the way to complete healing. In other words, I'm not giving up. And Jesus, Jesus honored the man's honesty. He honored him by giving him complete sight. Now, we have to understand most of the time because we measure what we should get from God against our own sin and deficiencies. Well, I don't deserve to be healed. I don't, I don't, no, you know what? And you don't deserve to go to heaven, but if you believe, you're going to. We don't deserve it, but guess what? We get it. And we understand we don't deserve it. And, and we say, I'm not just okay with maybe, you know, like I said weeks ago, you, you can't be barely saved. That's a, such a, well, you know, they're barely saved. It's like, okay, you're going to get the last train to glory. Look, I don't care what train I'm on as long as I get there. But the reality is you can't be barely saved. You either are or you're not. And then if you're extremely saved and you know you're saved at that point, you know that everything God has is available to you. As earthly parents, you know, our kids, we, we look at our kids, and we want, every, we want our kids to have the best. Even if we know we can't afford to give them the best, we want them to have the best. Do we not? And yet we treat God like he's inferior to us, that he doesn't want us to have everything in the best. He's, we don't want to push God. We don't, want, we don't want to trouble God. You cannot trouble the creator of heaven and earth. You cannot exhaust the, the, the glory and the patience and the mercy and the love and the blessings of God. You can't. They're inexhaustible. And so what we often do is then the devil wants us to compare and judge us and us to feel condemned when we look and say, well, my life is better than my parents' life was. So that's good, right? And that's how we measure, that's how we often measure whether or not we have enough or we want more than enough is based on how our parents grew up. So in my case, my dad 
grew up in a family of 12, 10 kids, mom and dad, very poor, didn't have a pair of shoes till he was five. So it would be easy for me to say, wow, I got shoes, I'm good. You see what I'm saying? And so now I determine whether or not I want more based on what my dad had or didn't have, and now I settle for less because I'm, after all, I'm better off than he was. You see what I'm saying? So you start measuring what you should have, could have, want, or otherwise based on somebody else's life or lack. And it wasn't that my dad was, he was a great guy. He couldn't help it. But if I, most of the time what we do is we become a victim of our environment. We become a victim of our culture. We become a victim of how we grew up and where we grew up. And we can't think beyond in his case, the poverty of our life, because that's just what we're used to. And the devil wants you to get used to just getting by. Just enough. You you don't need any more. Just enough. And he will do everything he can to keep you out of the promises of God. We go back to Numbers chapter 32. Israel is, as you know, they're wandering through the wilderness and, and God told them exactly when they left Egypt, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey, a, a place of abundance where the grapes are so large, you'll have to carry them on a pole. It'll take two of you because they weigh so much. And, and God says, this is where I'm taking you. And, and along the way, they're, they're going in circles. They're mumbling. They're grumbling. They're whining. They're complaining all the way. If I'm Moses, I would say, God, just smite half of them and let them know the rest are going if this doesn't change. And that's what we, how we think. Like, and Moses is leading this grumbling group of people. And they're approaching. They're getting nearer all the time. They had crossed the Red Sea by this time. And, and they've, they've come to the Jordan. And it says the tribes of Reuben and Gad owned uh, vast numbers of livestock. So when they saw the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds, they came to Moses Eleazar the priest and other leaders of the community, they said, notice the towns, and there are a list of towns I'm not going to read because they're really funky names. The Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel, and it's ideally suited for our livestock. Now notice this, it's ideally suited not for us, but for our livestock. They didn't even mention them, they're talking about their animals. And they were finding a reason to not go all the way into the land of promise. They had been fooled, if you will, into believing that the land that was good for their livestock there was better than the land that they were going to enter into. And it was going to separate them, not only from God's best, but it was going to separate them from the tribes, other tribes of Israel. And that's just what the devil loves doing is separating people out. You know why church attendance is so important? It brings us together. Once a week, we come together. And people that don't come to church are separating themselves from the fellowship and the blessing of other people. You need to be in church. This is not like an option, something we consider. He said, don't forsake assembling yourselves together as you see the day drawing near. And yet, the pandemic gave all of us permission to take government funds and separate ourselves from the house of God. It was the greatest deception in my lifetime and yours. And America drank the Kool-Aid. 
And now all of a sudden, it's all right to do nothing. It's all right to not go to church. It's all right. I got an excuse. The pandemic changed everything. No, you changed everything. You allowed it to change you. How dare you stay away from the house of God because a government institution told you you're going to be sequestered, you're going to be put away. You're go- it was evil. The idea was we don't want you to get to your best place. We don't want you to have the best life yet. We want you to believe that this is as good as it gets. Some of you may never have heard this. I heard it my whole life. Well, it's as good as it gets. It's as good as it's going to get. We're doing good. We have shoes. We have a home. We have food. That's great. I'm thankful. But what if other people don't have food? I can't give what I don't have. So I want more so I can help people more. My wife just came to me between services and said, give me money. I said, what are you going to do? She said, i got to give some away. She wouldn't even tell me what she was doing. I said, well, thank you. So and we'll grow. I'm finding myself every week peeling out. I'm <laughs> like, But then God always brings it back. I had no idea. She's like, I said, honey, I I love it that she's a giver. I just need to know that we're going to be the best we can be. (laughs) Thank you, sweetheart. Go give our grocery money away. I've decided to start telling people, don't have a blessed day. Have a best day. Because a best day indicates you've had a blessed day. So from now on, it's... I best you, have the best day ever. Why? Because I want us to get this in our head, that good for a Christian is not good enough. Jesus didn't say, I've come that you might have an okay life and have it barely. Come that you might have abundant life, a full life. And it, 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 this takes intentional behavior. It doesn't just happen accidentally. If, when I was a kid, we didn't have video games when, when we had surgery, it was because of some impact, not carpal tunnel, because we played video games all day. So there was one, one game called King of the Mountain, and we always find a little hill on the playground, and, and, and whoever made it to the top of that had to defend the mountain. And people are coming after you. Why? Because you're on top of the mountain. And they, they wanted to be the king of the mountain. And so once you got to be king of the mountain, you couldn't just say, I'm king of the mountain, because somebody hit you from the back. They'd knock you off, and they'd become king of the mountain. I know you think this is sick behavior, but we didn't have games when I was a kid. We played mumbly peg and threw knives at each other's feet. Any of you ever remember that? I know it's stupid. We did that. I mean, you know, stretch, but then mumbly peg was to get your feet so close, and then somebody throw a knife and put it. And you're like, what an idiot am I? You get so close, and you know a knife's coming into your foot. Now you know why I behave the way I do. These were the games we played. Drank out of hoses, swam in ponds, sane creeks. We survived. Colossians 4, 6 says, Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in a conversation, not put them down or cut them out. Our responsibility is to help other people become their best. And it goes on in this to say, the Lord has conquered this whole area for the community of Israel. It's ideally suited for all the livestock. If we have found favor with you, they're talking to Moses and the leaders, please let us have this land 
as our property instead of giving us land across the Jordan River. Do you intend to stay here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting, Moses asked? Why do you want to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord has given them? You see, what what he's saying is, you two and a half tribes are being selfish. You're discouraging those who are going to go across and, and take the land that God promised them. So it's very easy to hear voices from the east. This is the group. Uh, uh, Reuben, Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they're stopping short of the promise. Guess what? The land was good. They could take care of all the crops. That's good, but it wasn't the best. The best was go all the way in, cross the Jordan at flood stage, march around the walls of Jericho, and then go in. And Moses challenged him and said, you know what? You're going to discourage these people. If you'll go in, and help us fight, then you can come back to the east and live in the good place while we reside in the best place. There will always be people trying to keep you on the east side of the promise of God. They will keep you from going in. You'll have dark moments. You'll have criticism. You'll have all these challenges. Of It's just, it's just too much for me to fight for this. You have to fight. Paul said, I fought the good fight. He didn't say, I sat down and waited on God to do something. I fought the good fight. Getting up out of bed on Sunday, on a beautiful Sunday, and coming to church, the good fight. Instead of laying at home in your pajamas saying, Jesus loves me anyway. Yeah, he does. But you're separating yourself from people who can sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We need to be sharpened. We need to put ourselves in places that we are not comfortable around people who will challenge us to become the best we can become. Living a good Christian life, an overcoming life, is not easy. Every Saturday night, I fight through getting ready to talk to you on Sunday morning. It's not like, oh, these sermons, they're just, no. You hammer these out. Then I get up at like 5.30 or 6 on Sunday morning and go, God, I'm not real sure about what you've done all week long here, so let's fine-tune this. And he always goes, yeah, you missed this and you missed that. And I have to fight through going, okay, do I have something to say? I've actually had nightmares of standing behind a podium looking at you going, I don't know what I'm going to say, which is for me, that's impossible. I've always got something to say. And then there are times I say something and I go, I don't know where this is going. I'm looking for a landing ship. How do I land this sermon? Because I don't know where I've been flying. But I get up every week and I say, God, I'm going for the best of the best. I'm going to do the best I can. with what I'm not just going to do good. I want to do the best. I want your anointing more than I want your grace, at least on Sunday morning. Grace is awesome. You see... What we oftentimes say, and we go to Scripture, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And a lot of people will live at a place of sufficiency. But really, sufficient is not enough. You say, but, but it is. God's saying, no, it's sufficient. He didn't say, my grace is the best for you. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. There's more. There's mercy. There's love. There's power. There's prosperity. God's saying, there are all these things for you. But my grace is sufficient. It's going to be Okay. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Which one are you going to go after? 
Many people say, well, you know, I'm just okay. God's good. Yeah, God's good. He's more than good. Sufficient means adequate for the purpose. Simply adequate. God is not an adequate God. He is beyond adequate. And he wants us to live beyond adequate. Listen to this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, the Hebrew word for God Almighty is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, more than sufficient. It means that he has the power to complete promises of blessings and prosperity. Don't ever settle for slightly, settle for completely. Until it is complete, you fight. You fight right here. My dad used to tell me golf is a game of four inches. That's between your ears. Christianity is the same. It's between your ears. You're going to have what you say. Life and death is the power of the tongue. And we have to be very careful with our words because we're painting a picture of our future spiritually. So don't, don't talk about what you're going through. Talk about going through. I'm going through. I'm not going around. I'm going through. I'm not even going over. I'm going through. I'm going to split the mountain. I'm going through the mountain. I'm going to tell the mountain to move. You have to declare these things. Too many times we start get caught up in talking trash in the face of God. Well, I don't know. What do you think that, here's God saying, here's what I promise, and you go, I don't know. I mean, to me, that's a slam. It's like, God, I don't want to slam you. I know nothing's impossible with you. I know nothing is absolutely nothing impossible with you. So here's the opposition. Fatigue. As Suli said, and I, I want to thank all of you for, it was very hard for me to let her even stand up here and speak. And Jesse, like I said, is at prisons, and he's such a, a, a dear friend and co-pastor with me. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't know what I'd do without him. Don't want to know. But you get tired. We all get tired, not just physically. I, I feel as physically strong as I was 20 years ago. That mentally, emotionally, I have to guard my thoughts. I have to guard my spirit. And I put myself, I remove myself from things that begin to drain on my spirit, my mind, and my soul. I remove myself. And, and sometimes that may come off as rude, but when Jesus says, I'm going to take him outside the village to give him sight, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to listen to the criticism and get exhausted with the people who are doubting. If you've got people in your life that constantly tell you you can't live your best life, you need to have a conversation and say, I'm removing myself. And you say, that's drastic. You know what? You have one life to live. Yes, it's drastic. And sometimes it takes drastic to get to God's best. Amen. And you say, well, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I would rather have hurt somebody's feelings and have everything God wants me to have than to care more about them than I... I do what God has for me. You say, I, and because listen, the demonic, 
so many demonic things. The devil's constantly trying to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the Bible says he does. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a father of all lies. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. And he will get you wrapped up in the gossip and the criticism of a world that's spinning out of control. So sometimes you just have to shut all the noise down, get away from the east siders, this time not the west siders, get away from the east siders, those who said, we're going to camp here because it's good for our livestock. You have to say, I'm not camping here. I, I, I know that it, God will take care of my livestock because he's going to take care of me. Instead of camping and, and stopping short of the promises of God. Criticism will keep you bound. That's how come when the ten tribes, ten spies other than Caleb and Joshua came back after spying out the land, they, 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 they criticized the, even the possibility that Moses, we can't go in here. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And that's what you begin to believe when you start declaring it. You'll start seeing yourself as less than instead of God's best then. And that's what we have to shift and go, I'm going to get God's best. I'm getting to that place. Further opposition will slow you down as well. So here's the last thing, and I'm going to close with this, and I want you to get this because it's so important. Moses and Joshua probably have one of the toughest jobs any human beings ever had in history, at least in the top ten, of leading a bunch of grumbling people who had so much of Egypt in them and on them that he's having to drag them through the wilderness to believe God's provision. He'll give us water to drink and food to eat, and he'll be a cloud by uh, day and a fire by night. He's going to take care of everything that, that we need. And he's leading a bunch of grumbling Israelites, and finally, all those 20 years and older weren't even going to enter into the promise because they began to doubt God. They couldn't even go into the best because they said, God, you can't possibly get us there. We're grasshoppers in their sight. We can't make it. And you start excusing yourself based on false information. Listen, nothing's too difficult for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. And you start thinking about quitting and there's no hope for me and there's nobody there for me and nothing's going to happen good for me. And you talk yourself out of what Jesus died you into, which is blessing and promise. While Moses talked about the promise beyond, the people spoke of the problems left behind. I love you, my man. While Moses cried out to God, the people cried in criticism of Moses. While Moses wanted to move forward, the people were busy looking backward at Egypt. While Moses was prepared to raise his staff, the people were busy raising their questions. Can God do this? What makes you think this can happen? While Moses looked to the cloud of God, the people were clouded with fear. I don't know if I said this yet or not, but it's spiritual cataracts. You can see just enough to get by, but you can't see enough to get through. You're blinded by religion. You're blinded by doubt. You're Blinded by criticism, you're blinded by east side voices saying, why should we go on in? Don't settle for good. You go after the best. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you get tired and you say, you know, I just don't have it in me anymore. There are times the devil tries to come to me and say, why are you even trying? Why are you even doing this? Because I have one obligation and that's to 
obey the Lord Jesus Christ with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength, regardless of what you do, regardless of what you don't do. I'm not going to stand before Jesus and be able to blame you for what I didn't do. I will stand before Jesus and have no excuse if I don't follow him and obey him and complete my journey, and you as well. Paul said, I press toward the mark. He didn't say, I stroll, I walk, I ride. He said, I press. Why? Because Paul was saying, this is not always going to be easy. Getting to the best is not easy, but it is a must for us. That's what brings glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For everything that you've done. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you, God, for even revealing to us that there is a best better than the rest. And God, I pray that you would, this day, and those listening on this recording, that God, you would impress upon us the need to rise up and press through. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those of you today that have yet to receive Christ, and we want to pray with you. It's a very simple prayer that will make a profound difference. So I want all of us to pray this. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer because you gave your life to Jesus or recommitted your life to him, Listen very carefully. Please text the word SAVED right now to 405-500-1310. This is for you. We get that. We pray for you. Our prayer team will pray for you throughout the week. We have some of the greatest prayer people I've ever seen at Mosaic Church, and they will be praying for you throughout the week. So please do that right now. Text the word SAVED. You can put your name. It will direct it right to that. We'll know, and we will pray for you, all right? And so at this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. Um, I want to thank you, first and foremost, for your faithfulness. Um, It takes a lot to do what we do financially, and and you've stepped up, and I want to say thank you for that. Um, You can give so many different ways here. And the first way that's simplest, because those of you watching online, you're not here. You can do it right now where you're at. And that is, you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. Text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226, and it will talk, uh, walk you through setting up a debit card or credit card. It's very simple to do. You can do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all throughout the year, however you want to do it. Also, you can go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give, and that's another way to do it easily. Or if you're here, you can give on your way out in our giving receptacles, or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, 73132. Um, Also, those of you that say, I really want to do more, I want to be a part, you can text the word SERVE to that same number, 405-500-1310. And this is very important for you to understand that Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Uh, Serving is the best way to get out of a funk you could ever imagine. People say, well, I don't have time. What would I do? We have greeters. We have ushers. We have prayer team members. We have hospitality hosts. We have all kinds of opportunities for you to serve here. 
Um, and, and so if you want to serve, text the word serve to that same number, 405-500-1310, and we will get a hold of you and we'll find a place for you. And promise you, you can run cameras, you can work in the tech crew. You, there's so many things you can do, and they're fun. You get to know other people. You get to become a part of this community, okay? Also, if this is your first time here, we have a gift for you at our welcome kiosk. Please stop by and pick that up. Also, if you want to be on my weekly Wednesday night call, which is a call that's simply one minute, 30 seconds to two minutes typically, and it's just an inspirational call to encourage you in the middle of the week, and you can simply text the word CALL to that same number, 405-500-1310. It will be directed, and we will get you on that call list, okay? And uh, so it's very important that you connect yourself and be a part of what God is doing in this community. So this time, I'm going to ask our prayer team uh, to come to the left of the stage, you're right. If you need prayer for any reason, any reason whatsoever, or if you want to receive communion, they'll serve you communion or you can do it yourself either way. But please take advantage of this time. As we're exiting, nobody's watching you. You don't have to be embarrassed. We all need prayer, all right? So let's stand to our feet. Uh, also, these cards, as you saw on the screen, it's, it's an invitation card. I want to encourage you to start inviting people to church if you're excited about something, it makes sense that they will get excited too. And the majority of people that you invite will come simply because you cared enough to ask them to come. So please take these cards. They're at the information kiosk this week. And if don't give them at a restaurant unless you tip really well. The last thing I want them to think, God is not El Shaddai, he's El Cheapo. We don't want that, okay? So... Invite somebody to church. Just go out with a shout. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week. Get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.